Operator program created by Leo
Deputy Bailey immediately makes a routine check of the jail and hospital, but fails to find any trace of the missing man. Beginning to run near the base on some real basis for Mrs. Bocock's fears after all, Bailey decides to drive over and see her. The address proves to be that of a home bakery, a modest appearing shop in the center of Riverside, Everett's extensive Greek colony. I beg your pardon, but uh, are you Mrs. Bocock? Yes. My name is Bailey. I'm from the sheriff's office. Oh, yes. You have come about my husband. That's right. Have you had any word from him yet? No, no word. Well, tell me, Mrs. Fairclough, when did you see him last? It was about 10 o'clock yesterday afternoon. A telephone call came and people said he had to deliver some goods in the country. In the country, huh? Yes. He left right away in the truck. What kind of goods was he to deliver? Thank you, Father? Well, not exactly. I think it was mostly sugar and raisins. Well, sugar and raisins rather than yeah. hard. I found his truck. His truck? Yeah. It's under the middle of your road. Just over the second bridge. But, uh, what is he do? He's no way around. Oh, I know it. I know it. Oh, you, young man. Yes. I'm a trialist. You're one of the assistants. I see. Well, Mike, you better come up with me to headquarters and make your report. Then we'll go back to where you found the truck and look for your brother-in-law. Yes. Whatever you say, sir. I believe that there's some sort of dirty work mixed up in this business, Joe. I have Mike Corrales here, boy, who found the truck waiting outside to make his report. Yeah, we'll have him on in a minute, David. You say this cheap coke up is making a delivery of sugar and raisins into the country? Yes, sir. And that sounds to me like you might be mixed up in the bootlegging racket. Yeah, it does to me, too. It also puts a different front on the man's disappearance. Just what kind of a woman is this wife of yours, Mrs. Cocop? Well, she's weak, of course. She seems to have a fair education. Speaks very good English. Uh-huh. A young woman? Mm, about 25, I'd say. She's a tiny little thing. Pretty little picture. Any children? There was a boy about four and a little girl, not much more than a baby, playing in the corner of the bakery shop. I presume they were hurry. Yeah. Well, let's have this nice paralysis in. Okay, sir. Come on in here, Mike. Yes, sir. Mike, this is Sheriff McCullough. How do you do, sir? Hello, Mike. Now, Mike, I want you to tell us all about how you happened to find your brother-in-law's truck. Well, uh, Juliana was worried about peace, and uh, she asked me to look for him. I, uh, I go to the filling station for a piece that was dark, and the man, he says he thought he'd gone out for the metal field. Uh, what did you do then, Mike? Well, uh, I started out right away, and when I got to the bridge, I saw his truck. Uh, yeah, I saw his truck uh, standing by the side of the road. But you didn't do anything, I'll do. Oh, never mind, Bailey, I'll get it. Yes, McCullough, did you? You did, eh? All right, wait there. We'll be right out. I'm afraid you won't have to sit very far for your brother-in-law, Mike. I guess the information on Chief Coke up there. Yes, the man who called himself out Roberts is on the phone. Said he found the body in the woods just back of the truck. Uh, found the body? Near the truck? Yeah, you better come with us, Mike. If it's Coke up, we'll need you to help identify it. Hey, car right outside, sir. Okay, let's get going. Is that the pick up that night? Yes, sir. That's the one. There's a man standing beside us. That must be Robert, the man who phoned you, sir. Yeah, no, not this. Hello? Yes, sir. You're Sheriff McCullough, aren't you? That's right. Body I call you about is right near that path leading into the underbrush, sir. I come to land it like an hour ago. All right, go on ahead and tell us the place we'll follow. Yes, sir.
See that plane just ahead? That's where the body is. Yeah, I think I can see it from here. You got a man's body lying face downward? That's it, all right. Hmm. He's dead, all right. It's him. That's Steve. Well, it's plain the killer wasn't taking any chances on his victim living to tell the tale. His pockets have been pulled out in the rifle. Probably might have been the motive. Yeah. Was your brother-in-law in the habit of throwing much money around with him, Mike? Yes, sir. He always had quite a bit of money in his billfold. Go back to town. An intensive search is begun for the murderer. Two days after the finding of the body, Sheriff McCullough and Deputy A.C. Daly discussed the case in the sheriff's office. Well, it looks as if they're up against a more difficult job than you'd figured on, Davis. Yeah. Trying to pull information out of that beach colony is like trying to pull a mule away from a hayrack. Have you been able to find out anything at all? Oh, nothing much. All my inquiries down there have come up against a brick wall. Either they claim ignorance of the whole business or. They meet you with a stony challenge. Yes, I know. In the same way with me. I was able to pick up a few steps of information about Pete Corkart, however. Well, that's something. What did you find out? Well, it seems for one thing that he was considered one of the most representative young men of the colony. But he was not as one, I take it. Yeah. For another thing, I found out from a banker that Corkart had recently sent $10,000 to Greece to be placed to his credit there. $10,000, huh? Then he was considerably better off than the modest appearance of his picture would lead you to think. Yeah. Well, in addition to that, he had accounts with several local institutions. Now, he was well fixed, all right. Mm-hmm. I wonder if his wealth had anything to do with his being killed. Not well. I think I'll go over and have another talk with Pete's wife. Last time I was there, to break the news of her husband's death, and she was too upset to be able to tell me much of anything. That's an idea, really. Go on over and talk with her. There's just an outside chance we might learn something we can use. Okay, sir. I'll be back later to tell you what I found out. <laughs> Mrs. Pocock had no more information to give. Months slipped by, and then one night, Sheriff McCullough and Deputy Daly dropped into a little Greek coffee house. They were talking to the wrinkled old woman who was serving. Uh, didn't see Pocock you see in here pretty often? Yes, sometimes. Mrs. Pocock, she still coming. Oh, is that so? But he never kept mine who was here at Pete Pocock, huh? No, I'm afraid not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a funny thing that anyone could have wanted to kill Pete. After all, he was a good, hard-working man who thought only of business. You think so? Maybe that's why he gets killed. Maybe he thinks too much. Excuse me. I've got to wait on the customer. What do you suppose you meant by that? You see, I don't know. Now, let's get back up town. Yeah. Well, that's part of the old woman who got me puzzled. Well, there's a world of meaning behind the way she said that. It's just me. Now, let's say it's a home base we have to see. Isn't that uh, Eliana Prokop standing in the doorway? Yeah. What if he didn't tell her he's from the Carter? No, same thing, I suppose. Oh, we might as well say hello to her. Oh, of course. Good evening, Prokop. Good evening. I thought perhaps you might have decided to sail for Greece for this time. Oh, no, I cannot go now. No? It would not be the same without people. And besides, uh, Joe here, Peter's brother, he's helping me with the shop. Oh, I see. Well, I wish you all the luck in the world. Well, thank you. Well, good night. Good night, Mr. Daly. Yeah, it seems that three months' time has made us a good idea. He's careful enough now, Daly. Yes, I noticed that. Hmm, I wonder. Now, wait a minute, Daly. Oh, what is it? 
Uh, they just went into the shop together. You can see her wearing the suit. That's the suit here. Yes, you can see her silhouette there. It's my hunch is correct. Now, there, baby. You see that? You can see both the silhouettes now. Well, George, you're right, sir. Well, that's what the old woman meant when she said Peter thought too much about business. Yeah, it looks as if I took up the trading away his brother was feeding his wife. If that's the case, it may prove to be the motive we're looking for. But in the event, it's worth looking into, and the sooner the better. Before Bailey and Sheriff McCulloch and Hatch, however, they were called out of town in another case. And then at 2.30 in the morning, several days later, the large foreman in the group colony sees flames suddenly shoot up into the sky. The small frame house at the rear of the home base is on fire. The city goes in the alarm. Fire operators under the direction of Chief Carter and Lieutenant Gunt respond to front. That's a good fight, Gunt. The frame house is burning like kindling. I'll work my way around to the north side of it, Chief. The flames aren't so bad there, and I think I can force an entrance. Well, come along, then. I'll go with you. Here, this window's as good as any place, Chief. Wait, I'll smash it in. Can you see anything? Not yet. The room's full of smoke. Where do I climb in? Here. Hey, there's something under the bed over there. Good Lord, it looks like a couple of kids. Well, get them, Blunt. Hurry. You can pass them out of the window to me. Yeah, two kids, all right, Chief. A boy and a girl. They're both unconscious. Suffocation from the smoke. All right, hold them out. Again. Let me see two and out for the full murder. Go on as quick as you can. Thank you. All right, Chief. All right. Come here, let's go, Blunt. I'm coming in there with you. Yeah. I think that door over there leads into another bedroom. The flames have already struck it. Yeah? Well, let's see if there's anybody in there. All right. See, look here. There's a man and woman stretched out of the bed. They did all right, but it wasn't a fire that killed them. Good Lord. Their heads are cut through. Yeah. This is a case of cold-blooded murder. He takes charge of things. I've got to report this to the sheriff's office.
I stay right here until you do. Well, I'm sorry, I think you will do. But I can tell you right now, it won't do any good. Just the same, you call. Uh, Miss Steele, get Mrs. Prokop on the phone for me. Mrs. Prokop, he will give me money. Wait and see. I've got enough data to miss. Hello, Mrs. Prokop? Uh, George Venus is in my office and insists that I phone you. It seems he wants $50 right away. <laughs> yes, that's what I thought. Very well, Mrs. Prokop. Goodbye. She says she will not give you another cent, Venus. And furthermore, she says she doesn't want to ever see you again. She's got to give me that money. She's got it safe in the bank. Ileana, she would give me the money. But Joe, he got Ileana. I fix Joe. I fix Joe. And he was still receiving his checks against Joe when he walked to my office. And that was the last thing you saw? Yes, and mighty God, I was rather too. Any moment I expected to get a knife stuck in my wood. Do you happen to have Judge Venus addressed, Mr. President? No. But it's more than likely to be contained in the letter that he spoke of told me. If she says this is I suggested and hasn't been burned in the fire, it could still be in her heart. Word is immediately sent out to search for any letters that might have survived the fire in the Pope's home, and luck raises the officer's hand. For police from the Captain Corps discover an undamaged packet of letters in the bottom of a badly scarred trunk. An interpreter is called in to translate a note of the sign of Venus' name. He promptly lays aside two with the copies in English. Two of them, eh? The second set off, really. Read what it says. The date is September 1st, 1942. The address is Morton, Washington. Morton, eh? Yes, sir. Evidently, this is the letter Eliana showed to Mr. Perkins. Huh? What does it say? Mrs. Eliana and Joe. Please, soon as you receive my letter, wire me $300 at once. If you don't send me the money, both you parties are going to be in jail. No joking about it. You know what you have been doing. I lay everything ready if you don't. You'll see me go to dinner. Hmm. Now, what about the other letter, Bill? The second was addressed to Joe instead of Eliana. And this date line says it was written just a few days after Dennis' visit to Perkins. Well, go ahead, read it. says, uh, send Joe. Learn as for health I am well. After all, I have phoned to you three times to send me $50, but in vain I phoned. As I have my store mortgage, you don't care to help me, for Eliana told me the restaurant can stay closed for a week, and I have lost seven days. In jail have I gone, but I get out of jail, but you will never get out. You can't fool me with five and ten dollars. Can you help me in this situation? The thousand was given to have your brother killed. What is that you just said? The thousand was given to have your brother killed? Yes. I guess that's the sticking of the correct. Yeah, that would seem to indicate that Joe was in love with Eleanor, all right? And that he wanted her badly enough to hire someone to lure feet into the woods and kill her. So who was the man? Davis? Yeah, that remains to be seen. So go on, Davis, finish the letter. Okay. Think that you are hanging on my neck. The head that you wear is mine. When I get my head, you will have no head. You should know that you did it all, for you didn't let Eliana to help me, and I will treat you as you treated me. Now then, send me $50, or send me the mortgage on my store, so I will put it somewhere else to get $200 to buy. George Venus. Is that all? Yeah. Well, I think there's enough in those letters to justify our bringing them in. I want you to get a warrant for Venus arrest, David. Oh, what else, sir? Arson for the time being. That same night, 
Sheriff McCullough and Deputy Bailey traveled 200 miles to Morton and bring back George Dean from the arson charge. The next morning, from McCullough's office. Now, Dennis, let's hear how you started that fire in the base you started morning. I didn't start that fire. I was in Morton then. Ask anybody there. And I suppose you didn't write this threatening letter to Mrs. Prokop either. Not me. Not Judge Dennis. I wouldn't do that thing. Mrs. Prokop and Joe were my friends. I had respect for them. And you insist you were in Martin on the morning of the fall? I was in Martin. All right, boys. Lock him up. Yes, sir. Come on, Miss. Sheriff McCullough. Oh, hello, Mike. Come on in. Oh. What's on your mind, Mike? That was sure genius they just took out of here, wasn't it? I heard the arrest of him. That's right. Did he admit he did it? No. He said he was in Martin when the killing took place. Well, if he said that, he lied. He wasn't in Martin last Friday night. He was here in the bakery. In the bakery? Can you prove that night? Yeah. I was cleaning up when one of the neighbors came in. He wanted some bread, but he was Liana, and Dina was arguing about something in the corner and didn't pay no attention to her. Finally, she had to interrupt and asked Liana to get it for her. Would the neighbor be willing to identify Dina? Sure. When I talked to her about the argument later, she said she was very angry about something, and I told him tell Mrs. Brokop, better be careful. You know what happened to Pete? The same will happen to you. Later that day, the neighbor identifies Dean. He still clings to the story of being in Morton at the time of the fire, and the sheriff McCullough and company of Bailey goes back there to step on it. In Morton, they can find no one to corroborate Dean's story, but they do receive some valuable information from a human acquaintance of his. Information which they turn to good account when on returning to others. They again confront their prisoners. Just what made you think you could make that little bluff of yours worse, Venus? What do you mean? You know what I mean. Trying to make us believe you were in Martin on the night uh, Eliana and Joe were murdered. But I tell you, I was there. I, I, I tell you. Venus, we know better. Moreover, we ran across a friend of yours that you'd been talking to the Sealy Jew. Who? Never mind who. When you were hard up for cash, you told this friend you'd you and Mrs. Crowcock and Everett would be glad to give you money. Isn't that right? Mrs. Crowcock was my friend, and Joe too. Oh, your friend, eh? And why did you say to this person, if I told what I knew about Eliana, she'd never have any money? Who says I said that? Isn't it true that Mrs. Brokat once asked you to lure her husband out into the country on the pretext of firing raisins and then kill him? She's not a scary lie. You might as well come to him, Venus. She and Joe are going to give you $3,000 for the job, won't they? All right. I'll tell you about it. That's better. Well, Eliana, she says to me, George, it's got to be done. She says she's going to do it herself in the house. Only she's afraid it's going to scare his finger. I see. So you got him out there on Muckleshoe Road and pump five bullets into him. Really? No. No. I lose my nerve. I can't do it. Then after you killed Pete and collected your money, you thought you could go on bleeding Mrs. Prokop for everything she had. That John, he made me mad. He took Eliana. Yeah. You were jealous, too. When Eliana threw you over for Joe and you found out she couldn't get any more money out of him, you thought you'd get even. So you batted in their heads while they were sleeping, and then set fire to the house, thinking you'd cover up your crime. They were not sleeping. They were. I mean, I don't know anything about it. That's all we wanted to know, Venus. Come on, Bailey. What this case needs is a first-class murder complaint. In just a moment, Chief of Police Bailey will conclude our program. Rio Grande Crack is known as the gasoline of police car performance. And wherever you buy Rio Grande Crack gasoline, you can buy real league motor oil. 
refined from the highest price mid-continent crude oil, which be waxed, be jellied, super refined, and made available to you at all the Grande stations in Tampa Cruise Town. Get police car performance with Rio Grande cracked gasoline and Rio Lube motor oil at your independent Rio Grande dealer tomorrow. And now, be sure. And George Venus has got the style before Judge Dalsey Austin. He found guilty of the murder of Pete, Elmer and Joe, and sent to send the remainder of his life in prison to Walla Walla. That ends the story of another crime that did not take. Thank you.